Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Friends, family, church, we're going to go ahead and get started. It is my pleasure, my great pleasure, to introduce two ladies to the platform today to share meditations on motherhood with you. One of them, this is her first time coming before the people in such a way as this, so I want you to show her some love. Um, and the other, she's been up here a couple of times with the offering, but has she ever done a, oh, so this is her first time too behind this esteemed, nice little neat acrylic platform here. So yes, give them a hand and I will introduce them, both of them, and then they're going to come up um, orderly one after another. Let somebody gets laid out and slain in the spirit, all that. Look, I believe God for miracles. It could happen. Under the, we get to witness the birth of spoken word ministry to, through these two young ladies. How about that? So you can say you were there. Amen. So the first young lady, I feel like I've known her and watched her grow from childhood. But when I, I met her, she was married. And just barely a child. But anyway, that's all right. Y'all were still legal. Praise the Lord. And she has just grown so much. And just to see her grow not only into being a wife. And it, I mean, like when I met you, Tashandi, you were it was like you were like first year of college, second year of college, maybe first year, first year freshman. And then she's gone on from, you know, she got her bachelor's, she got her master's, and now she's been teaching for a few years, and now she's got two children. So she grown, grown, and she has much experience with children, so she has some wisdom to share with us about her journey so far. She's got two under three, or three and under, two under four, I guess, is how they would say it, right? But yeah, how many of you know, yeah, she's been through something. <laughs> All right. And then we have a mighty woman of God here also, who I can't believe this is her first time saying anything because I feel like <laughs> I feel like she's been preaching to us over this time and offering every chance she gets. Um, so, I mean, it, it was going to happen eventually. Um, but I'm very excited. She joined our church shortly before the lockdown. She was just a month or two into her membership when we closed down service. And that didn't stop her growth. And so I'm just very honored to, she has a lot to share. Um, she's also very uh, accomplished in her profession and in her schooling. She also has a master's degree. So we're bringing two, she has two master's degrees. I'm sorry, amen. Yes, let another man praise you. He sure did, amen. So she had, and not that it's all about degrees, church, right? We know there's so much you can learn on your knees and walking through life. It's called neology, amen. So you, you know, all of us, we are, let me tell you something, whether you know it or not, you are are an expert at something you have something to share and I can't wait until each and every one of you has the opportunity to take a platform and share before friends and family and your church what it is that the Lord has done for and is doing in you but at this time this moment on this Mother's Day that belongs first to Tashandi Baskerville and then of course to Jessica don't let me mispronounce it Bustamante Jessica Bustamante I've never said it out loud in public <laughs> Okay, give it up, family. Thank you, honey. Hello? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right. So it's so funny because this is something that I always run away from, but here I am. Thank you so much, Petey and Courtney, for allowing me to um, give a speech today in honor of mothers. 
And I do want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. That, um, you know, happy Mother's Day. It is not an easy job, but it is a rewarding job. All right, so today my speech is titled The Power of Motherhood. And I want to come from the lens that motherhood is our first ministry, right? It's our first priority. So in the three years of being promoted to mom, I've learned three powerful lessons. And those are, um, that's the lessons that I want to share today. So the first lesson that I've learned is the power of prayer. And in the Bible, it says to pray without ceasing, right? So pray without stopping, always praying every opportunity you get, pray, right? So every morning on my way down the parkway to work, I'm always praying over my boys, asking God to cover them, cover them under the blood of Jesus Christ, let no weapon formed against them, put a hedge of protection around them. That's the prayer that I say for them every single day, you know, because they're not in our care. They're going to others to... Um, watch them as David and I go to work. So that's my prayer for them every day. And I've noticed over the years how God, how that prayer has come to pass each and every day. Even when they do, you know, like an attack tries to come, it is not detrimental. It's okay. God is covering them, you know, and I'm so thankful for that. And I'll give a little short story. Um, the other day we were on spring break and I took the boys to the park and so, you know, we're playing, and when we got home, I decided to give Jazelle a bath. So as I'm washing him and I'm giving him a bath, I noticed, like, this little piece of hair to me. I didn't have my glasses on. So I'm, like, plucking at it. I couldn't get it off. I'm wiping his skin. I couldn't get it off. And then, as you know, what you do when you get a piece of hair, you take a tweezer, you pluck it out. So that's what I did. And when I looked over the sink, I saw little legs moving. I freaked out, it dropped, it went down the sink. And as I'm talking to David, David was saying, you know, because of the method that I had to use to take it out, it could have been a tick. So that made me even more like, oh my goodness, what just happened? So I took him to the doctor the next day. She, you know, used the magnifying glass and she didn't see any evidence of anything left in. There was no head, there was nothing left in. So she was saying, good job, mom, you really plucked this tick out. Um, <laughs> And I just saw, like, you know, he didn't have any rash. Because, you know, when they say, like, with ticks, you could watch out for Lyme disease and stuff like that. No evidence of anything. And it had to be because of that powerful prayer and praying over our children every day. So I want to encourage us to, you know, open the, um, open the door, allow the Holy Spirit in, and pray over our children each and every day. So that's my first lesson. The second lesson I've learned is the power of influence, right? So we hear about this social media, influential and stuff like that. But influence means, in my words, inform, teach, you know, impact, especially as a school teacher. And in the Bible, in Proverbs 22, verse six, it says, to train up your child in the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We hear the scripture all the time, right? And I look at it like, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, how I respond to people, how I talk to people, how, you know, they're watching us. They're watching our every move, our emotions, you know, how we handle it. And it's so funny because, like, the other day, I'm going to have a story for all these lessons because I'm a teacher, and in teacher we, teaching, we learn text to world, text to self, text to, you know, so I'm going to have a text to world for everything that I'm, I'm sharing with you guys. Right. <laughs> Thank you, girl. So, so um, 
um, yes, I was washing my hair the other day, and um, I'm soaping it and washing the conditioner out, and I noticed that Zion disappears. Now, moms, dads, when your child disappears, what do you do? What should you go do? Go find them, because you know they're doing something they don't have no business doing, right? All right. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, let me go find him. I went in the bathroom. He had the pipe on. He had the bar soap, and he's scrubbing his hair. He's washing his hair. Who was he watching? Who was he following? So at that moment, I realized, wow, we are very influential to our children. They're copying us. They're like mirrors. They're trying to follow us. So I, I said to myself, you know, everything I do, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm intentional and in making sure that I'm doing the right thing because they're following, okay? So, you know, every opportunity I get, I try to make sure that I use challenging words so that they can mimic that, right? Expand their vocabulary, make sure I'm speaking morals and values into their lives, right? Because they're, they're like sponges. They're going to follow that as they get older, trying to be warm and compassionate to teach them how to be compassionate and empathize for others. So that's the stuff that I'm trying to model because they're soaking it up like a sponge. And then my third lesson, and this is a little controversial, <laughs> is the power of self-care, right? And you know, when you hear, hear self-care and motherhood, the two don't go in the same sentence. Some, most of the time, you know, people are like, I'm a mother, I don't care, I'm, I just care about my kids. And when I say that, I don't mean to be selfish. Like, if you know you have to take care of your responsibilities, go take care of your kids. You know, your kids need to be fed, your kids need to be taken to school, go do that. Don't neglect your responsibilities. But we can't get into the mindset of neglecting ourselves. You know, we have to take care of ourselves too. If we, you know, through proper rest, nutrition, going to therapy, you know, <laughs> listening to our body's needs, whatever it is that we need. And um, I want to give you a scripture for that. In Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, it says, um, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. How can we love our neighbor if we don't know how to love ourselves? <laughs> so the first thing we have to do is to pour into ourselves and love ourselves so that when we're filled up, we can pour that out into our children. One thing for me is I like sleep. <laughs> I know anything under seven and a half hours, I'm triggered. Okay? So <laughs> that's my self-care. That's... <laughs> That's that's my self care. That's my you know I have to do that. And if if I know like I need that and I didn't get that, I reach out to David. You know I need a nap. Can you help me? Um, so that's that's you know sometimes I like taking a drive to Target. So if I have to take a 15 minute stop, put a timer on because I got to go pick the boys up. I'm gonna go on Target because that's my evidence of self care, right? So I want to challenge us to find some things that we can do to implement self-care, okay? So we can have that self-love to give. And then I have three takeaways, because I'm a teacher, so take your notebooks out, you have homework. <laughs> so the first thing to the power of prayer is a coworker shared with me, um, she used index cards, and she writes down the names of the people that she wants to pray for in her life. 
And so I started doing that. I started writing down all the people I want to pray for in my life. And particularly, I wrote down the boys. And then there's this book called The Power of a Praying Parent. So I will use the index cards to pray for the boys using that book as just a guideline, you know, somewhere to start. So I'll encourage us to do that. The second is be intentional because they are watching. So as you're being influential, be intentional. Be, you know, what lessons do you want to share? What do you want them to soak up? How do you want to spend quality time with them? And then the last is write down all the things that you need to um, have some self-care in your life. What are some things that are helpful to you that you know that you need? Because my self-care might look different from your self-care, mom. So what is it that you need? And then get your schedule. I'm queen of Google Calendar. Put that into your Google Calendar, right? So that you can make sure that you have that appointment with yourself. All right? And that's all I wanted to share today. Thank you so much for giving me your time and attention. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. I'm up here with my big Bible like PD. You know, he's rubbed off on me. All right. Well, praise God. So um, this morning, um, I am going to be introducing the five biblical principles of motherhood. Amen. Um, so I'm excited to share this with you all today. Um, some of you may know how I became a mother. Um, Naz was adopted at birth. I actually um, was living um, a life of sin at that time. Um, but it's all right <laughs> because uh, I found God. Um, and he was truly a blessing in, in that time. Um, and being his mother, choosing to continue to be his parent despite of my horrible choices in the past really has blessed me immensely. Um, and so... I'm happy to share this message with you all today. Let me just say that Jesus died and rose again for us to be godly mothers. So without the death and resurrection of Jesus, we couldn't be godly. Amen. So the first principle I want to discuss today is dedicating your children to God. If we can just turn to 1 Samuel 1. And I'm going to go through this briefly. I got 15 minutes. So I want to make sure I touch on everything. Amen. <laughs> so in 1 Samuel 1, um, just... A little bit of background. Um, we are introduced to Hannah, and so we were familiar with the, the story of Hannah, right? She was one of Elkanah's wives, and um, one his other wife's name was Panina. So Panina was able to have children, sons and daughters. Um, and in verse five and six in First Samuel, it says that the Lord closed Hannah's womb. So let me just submit to you today that He closed her womb to pull out the faith needed to receive a miracle. Amen. And so I will in a minute tell you what that miracle was. Amen. Um, so we, we see here in the scripture that Hannah was in deep anguish. And so we, when we think about deep anguish, it also says that when she went to, to worship in Shiloh, her mouth was moving, right? Eli, the priest, saw her and just saw her mouth moving. So I picture her on her knees and swaying back and forth and being in so much pain internally and just not knowing. You know when you're in so much pain and you're in so much sadness, you, you, you can't, there's nothing coming out of your mouth. But the Lord heard her. The Lord heard her, right? And when Eli saw her, she thought, he thought that she was drunk. And she said, not so. I'm, I'm troubled. I'm deeply troubled. 
I'm in pain. Him not knowing why she was troubled, his response was, be blessed. May the Lord be with you, right? Um, and so the next morning, she wakes up and she's praising God. Now, we all know what ends up happening. She gives birth to Samuel. Samuel, the miracle. Because Samuel was, the, was Israel's last judge. He was needed. Amen? So perfect timing. So the first biblical principle is dedicating your children to God. Hannah dedicated her child to God. Not only her child, she dedicated her womb to God. Before she was even able to get pregnant, she prayed over her womb. She prayed for her child. So a mother's prayer, a mother's prayer is even more important because it's more than a blessing. It's a covering under the power of God. Amen? Second one, second principle, fighting for your children. Let's go to 2 Kings 4, 37. So here we have Elisha, the prophet, and he's in the town of Shunem, and there's a woman who was hosp hospitable to him. She opened her house to him. She gave him a room, right? Um, and in the room, there was this nice bed. She cooked for him, and she told her husband that they should prepare this place for him. She saw the man of God. She wanted the man of God to stay. She saw the blessing before she even received it, amen? So she recognized Elisha's anointing. And to acknowledge her hospitality, Elisha asked his servant to, to go ask her what he can do for her. What does she need? Servant never goes to ask her, but responds to him and says, oh well, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is old. So Elisha goes to her and says, well, this time next year, you will have a son. Now, she didn't ask for a son, at least not at that moment, right? But we can tell how much she wanted one because her response was, please do not mislead me. Please do not mislead me. I want it. <laughs> so please do not mislead me, right? So then we find out, of course, because Elisha prophesied over her, told her she was going to have a son. That's exactly what she had, amen? So she has this son. And years go by, and he's outside, and he's playing with his father. And in the midst of him playing with his father, he starts complaining about his head. His head is hurting. And so his dad takes him inside to his mother, lays him on her lap, and she, she takes him, and she brings him to the room where Elisha, the man of God, was staying, lays him on the bed of the man of God, and then t tells her servant to get the donkey, get Get everything ready, because we're about to go to Mount Carmel, to the man of God that gave me this child. Amen? Okay. So then her husband is like, where are you going? It's not Sabbath. It's not new moon. I'm going to the man of God. It's okay. I'm going to be all right. Now, further down, between verse 29 to 35, we see that she's on her way, and she's halfway, and Elisha can see her. So Elisha didn't even allow her to get to him. She, he sent his servant to meet her halfway. That's favor. She found favor with him, right? So he sends his servant to meet her halfway, and she falls at his feet. She, she wasn't there to see the servant. She was there to see Elisha. But she was in so much pain, right? So the servant asked her, is everything okay? Everything's all right. So I took that to me, listen, yes, everything is good. I'm not really here to see you. I'm here to see the man of God that told me that I was going to have this child, right? So she gets to Elisha, 
and lets him know what happened to her son. And Elisha then gives clear instruction to her servants, to his servant, and tells him to take the staff and run to the house. Don't stop and say hi to anybody. Don't look left. Don't look right. You run to the house and you lay the staff on that boy, right? Now, seeing the urgency that Elisha had, that is what prompted her to have her faith in him knowing that he cared for her and he was going to do whatever he could to get her son to her. Amen. So a mother's protection. A mother's protection supersedes any kind of protection this world offers because it is a godly protection. The woman got on the donkey for travel regardless of the time of day or what her husband said, she was determined to see the man of God about her son and praise God that she was because it was her fight that opened the door for her son's healing and him being raised up, amen? amen. Proverbs 31, 27 to 28. We are at the third principle now. Proverbs 31, 27 to 28. I'm reading out of the NIV. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Just as we watch our children, as Tashandi was saying, they watch us as well. They observe us as well. It's our responsibility to know who they call friends, what they watch on TV, what they're playing on their iPads, what they're playing on the PlayStation or the Switch, right? Um, everything that they're exposed to has an impact on them. So a mother's intuition can save her children's life. The more we spend time in God's presence, the more the Holy Spirit reveals things to us about our life, about our family. Our children are impacted by our relationship with God and our walk. I can tell you that um, one thing that has been so rewarding for me is seeing the way my walk has impacted Nas. Um, me being so outspoken in the house about tithing. Every time I get money and I'm, I'm just, I'm tithing. So now every time he gets a gift or he gets money, he's tithing. He's asking me to tithe, right? Amen. So that's extremely important. Let's go to Isaiah 66, 12 to 13. It's my second to last one, amen. Okay. So Isaiah 66, 12 and 13, I'm reading out of the NIV. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Isaiah received a word from the Lord. So this is the Lord speaking about peace and comfort. And he equates a mother's comfort for her child to his comfort. For us to understand as his children what it truly means to be comforted by him. Amen. So the comfort starts from, from birth. So maybe you can remember the time where you had your baby and you're holding your baby and they're trying to find comfort in your womb, but then when they find in, in your bosom, not your womb, because they're already out of it. So when they're, they're trying to find that comfort in your bosom, but when they find it, they look so relaxed. They look at like they're at peace, right? 
or maybe it was that time when they first fell off of their bike and they ran in the house and they're crying and they're screaming because they see blood, because they see the scar and they're hurting. But then you come with the hydrogen peroxide or the alcohol and you're just dabbing and you're just cleaning it and then you're blowing on it and everything just seizes in that moment. Or maybe it's the first time that they got their feelings hurt at school by a friend and they come home and they cry and they tell you about it and you hug them and in that moment, they feel like everything is going to be okay. A mother comforts her children. There's nothing like a mother's touch. We are naturally nurturers, but our touch feels different to our children when we have the peace of God working through us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Final principle. A mother passes on her faith. 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5 reads, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So we know that Paul was writing this letter to Timothy from prison. This letter was to prepare Timothy for his walk as a leader in the body of Christ and remind him of his assignment and the gifts given to him from God. Paul credits Timothy's sincere faith to his grandmother and his mother. So Paul first saw Timothy's faith in his mother. The only reason why he had faith to see is because he saw it in his mother first. So because he saw the faith that his mom had, he only knew and could imagine the faith that her son would have, that she would pass that faith on to her son. So up to a certain age, our kids are dependent upon our faith, right? They need our faith and they observe our faith walk before they grow into their own walk. Paul took Timothy under his wing. He mentored him. He helped him grow in God after seeing the faith that was already passed down by his mother and grandmother. A mother's legacy is in the faith that she leaves to her children. There is nothing more valuable than faith to pass down to your children. Yes, it's great to have lands, money, all that stuff, but that will not sustain them. That will not fulfill them. Amen. We want to pass down faith to our children. So can I submit to you today that as a mother, you can start building a generation of believers. It doesn't matter what your siblings believe in, what your parents believe in, what your grandparents believe in. As a mother, you build a legacy of faith and pass it on so you can see your great, 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 great grandchildren in heaven one day. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now it's on. Hallelujah. I know how to work it now. See, I learned something. Show me once, and I got it. So apropos, it's a great uh, a segue. Just kind of want to review these notes, because I, I did my homework. I don't know about you. Did y'all take notes like the lady said? Yeah. Both sermons? Because there were some good nuggets there, right? We got three lessons of motherhood that Tashandi's learned along the way and passed on to us. And then we got five, five principles of a godly mother from Jessica. And you know, as I listened to them, um, there were some themes in both that pair well with the other, almost like complementary. Like together, that was such a good dish. We got the entree, the sides. We got the nice uh, accompanying beverage, non-alcoholic, amen, <laughs> and some dessert and the appetizer. It all worked together. So I'm not going to preach you another um, sermon. I, I know that the mothers want to get out of here and on to your self-care 
and on to the, the appreciation from your children for um, comforting them and taking good care of them and protecting them and all of that. Um, but the, uh, something that Jessica said when she talked about Hannah's anguish, I just want to close out today because I feel like we are well represented here. We've got young mothers speaking their experiences and their understanding of the word. Why would my phone ring in the middle of church? That is nobody I know. <laughs> they know where I am right now. <laughs> um, Hannah's anguish. And that is a part of motherhood. It's a part of life, really, um, that as mothers we experience that anguish, but all of us know pain in some way, shape, or form. And the truth is this day is not happy for everybody. People right now are struggling with being mothers, are struggling because they aren't mothers, struggling because they may not have the right relationship that they want with their own mother. There is some sadness because we heard about the epitome of motherhood. We heard about some good tips that we can apply as mothers. But there's some people that they're just in anguish because they didn't have someone to protect them or to pass a legacy on to them. And so I don't want to forget those. I don't want to forget the unborn who didn't even have a chance to have a mother. That's all I'm going to say about that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's so much that even on this day that should be full of joy and honor. And I, I pray and hope that it is. I see somebody back there. I'm so sorry. I want to acknowledge and not just say that it's all about the pain of whatever it is that you're facing that makes this day not so great. But the thing about this particular day is that it always falls on a Sunday. And the great thing about this particular day that is we celebrate this day as believers because it's the third day. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And there will be glory after this. There is comfort for you. Because where you can't be comforted or get what you needed from your own mother or become the mother that you thought you wanted to be or that you still desire to be, there is still hope. So I want to acknowledge anguish and pain and frustration and sadness, but I also want to acknowledge victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we don't have to come in here and be fake and just be happy. It's a time to celebrate and be happy for others, even if you're not experiencing that same joy in your life. But we have to acknowledge those of us who are grieving today. And I felt that that was what was needed. I know y'all were going to bring the joy and the power, and I thank you for that. But I'm here today to let you know, no matter what you're facing with your own mother, no matter what's going on, those vestiges of the past, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will experience redemption, that you will experience healing, that the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I came to encourage you and let you know that there's nothing too hard for God. And though you may be in pain right now, I got a good book that says joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. It is so important for us to understand that even in the midst of the things we do not have, oh, there is something and someone that we do have. 
when we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will turn our mourning into dancing. He will give us beauty for ashes. He will give us strength for fear. And it's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's a reality. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, he is merciful. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Oh, glory to God. But he, his is an everlasting love. And it's not sometimey. And it doesn't give up. And it does not fail. Hallelujah. So we praise you, Lord, for the good mothers. We praise you, Lord, for those. Hallelujah. Lord, we're not perfect, but we're trying each day because we recognize the assignment you've given us. But, Lord, we pray for those who haven't had the greatest experiences. And we thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. That you would send into their path laborers, that you would send into their path good friends, that you would redeem the harsh realities of what they may have faced as an experience as a child or as a mother, that you would redeem it. We believe that you can right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this Mother's Day, it may have begun in sadness, but it will end in joy today. Hallelujah. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. God is able to comfort us. I love that from the scripture, Jessica, that a mother's comfort is likened to the comfort of the Lord. And we have a promise that they, those of us who mourn, who grieve, we will be comforted. Amen. We will be comforted. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your loving arms being surrounded about us, your everlasting arms. You are faithful to us. You are so faithful. So that's all I really wanted to say, is that we have to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we rejoice, and we honor mothers today, and we rejoice with mothers. But we got to weep with those who weep too. Every day. doesn't matter if it's a holiday or an observance. Every day is a good day to get down on our knees with our brothers and sisters and share with them in their hardship because we know that we will also share with them in their joy. That's what it means to be a part of a community. That's what it means to be a part of this family of faith. And I'm not just talking about this body of believers, but I'm talking about being a part of the church at large. You're not meant to be in isolation, but he saved you to himself and to his people. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, Contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.